Welcome. You're on Deep Background, the Kansas City Star's podcast about news. Uh, I'm Scott Cannon. I'm a reporter at the Star. I'm joined today by Lynn Horsley, our City Hall reporter. Hey, Lynn. Good to be here. And Steve Vokrat on our business desk. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're going to talk about the election coming up next Tuesday, April 4th. A lot of money at stake, a lot of construction jobs at stake, uh, construction work, um, and property tax bills for decades to come. Absolutely. Um, so, Lynn, why don't you give us a quick overall, first, the, the three city council propositions. Right. There, there, there are three city council propositions. They were unanimously uh, approved by the council to go on the ballot, questions one, two, and three, a total of $800 million in bond authorization. They would not issue all those bonds at once, or that would be a catastrophic tax increase. But... Question one is about $600 million for streets, bridges, and sidewalks. $450 million would be uh, allocated for streets and bridges, and then there would be a new $150 million sidewalk improvement program. Question two is $150 million for flood control, and that's to deal with um, major flooding issues in Brookside, Westport, a number of our industrial areas. It's also intended to leverage about $560 million that um, Congress members uh, Cleaver and Graves have gotten written into federal uh, legislation. Essentially and matching funds. Matching funds for federal dollars, yes. And then the third question is $50 million dollars. Uh, about $14 million of that would be city funding for a new animal shelter to replace what is a deplorable, uh, awful animal shelter. It would, that would leverage about $10 million in private donations, uh, which would complete the construction and also create a uh, maintenance endowment. The other $35 million is intended for other city building improvements, um, and most of that is because of another unfunded federal mandate to deal with Americans with Disabilities Act uh, as accessibility issues. We have a lot of buildings that are not terribly accessible to disabled people, and the city is required by the federal government to do those improvements, and they don't have a ready source of funding. Um, there's also question four, which is a petition initiative, and that calls for a 10-year, one-eight-cent sales tax increase that would benefit a particular part of town east of Troost. And the first three versus the fourth represent a sort of a political division that's taken place in this election. Yes, that's true. The city council really would have preferred to just have the bond issue or the bond package on this election. Uh, they didn't want to be competing with yet another sales tax increase, but I think east side proponents felt like uh, this is needed. It would generate about $8 million a year. The east side continues to be uh, Kansas City's most, you know, struggling part of town. Uh, years of disinvestment, and they feel like uh, it's worth it for the entire city to vote on a tax increase to benefit a needy part of town. Right, and what you've got is a, a part of town that's got particular infrastructure problems coupled with uh, economic problems, and the two sort of play each off, off each other in a negative feedback. Exactly. And Steve, on the, the first three, the, the city council behind, you've also got the civic council behind at the chamber, um, heavy constructors, obviously, there's, there's a lot of jobs in here. Right. But it's sort of the establishment of Kansas City in a way, you would say, behind those, right? Versus Freedom Inc. and, the, and a few others on the opposing them. Right. I think that's, uh, I think that's, that, that's certainly accurate. 
Um, I think the business community, uh, as it's confined to the chamber, the civic council, and, and, and those types of organizations would argue, um, not wrongly, by the way, that the city has kicked the can down the road for a long time on a lot of these much-needed infrastructure deals, and they see... You know, you, you usually don't see businesses getting behind uh, tax increases, and this is, of course, right. tied to a property tax increase, but I think they see that, um, you know, one of, the, one of the easiest criticisms of city government is that they haven't tended to their infrastructure for a long time. And, and Kansas City is not exactly unique in that respect. I mean, there's a lot of big cities, large and small, that, uh, you know, tend to put off the immediate needs, defer them over the, year, over the years for kind of the more – immediate flashier types of projects that's a frequent criticism in kansas city um but i think they see even even with the property tax increase would probably see some value to right this. And so, so part of the argument it's almost like a home improvement loan for the city and it works out to except all the homeowners and property owners in town will borrow this money to pay for better streets road flood control all those sorts of things lynn you did a, a story that pointed out that the the sale of this has been a little off the beam, not, not completely candid, this idea that, well, it's just going to add $8 a month to your property tax bill. It's $8 this year plus 8 more the next and the next and the next. Right. I mean, the, the, the campaign literature said uh, this will add, on average, $8 a year for the life of the program, and we weren't sure people realized it's right. $8 talk, again, cumulatively, and it really is more than $8 in the early years of the program. Right. We're, we're working off an example of a home of about $140,000, maybe one $15,000 car. Right. That, that's the, apparently the average cost of a house in Kansas City. Now, obviously, if your house is worth less than that, your tax increase would be less. And if your house is worth more than that, your tax increase would be more. It's also predicated on a 5% interest rate, which is a little bit higher than what they've been paying. Right now, interest rates are at historic lows, and so this probably is a good time to borrow money. You know, there's nothing more complicated than municipal bond finance, and I don't know that I could explain it quickly in a podcast, but the city expects to issue about $40 million each year. Each one of these would be a 20-year bond. And so, um, you know, in the, in the earliest years of the program, for the average homeowner the tax increase would be about $14 that first year. And then it would be another $13 after that and another 13 after that. Over time, the city is going to be paying off a lot of its other development bonds. And so their, their bond debt will decline. And over the full 20 years of, the, uh, of this program, it's going to cost the average homeowner about $2,000. So if you divide that by 20 years, it's $100 a year. You know, by the end, by the very end of the program, somebody's tax bill will have gone up about $160. And then we don't exactly know, even at the end of that 20 years, they'll still be paying off those latter bonds that they will have issued. The total spend down of this thing could be 40 years. And we don't exactly know what will happen at that point because the city could choose to issue even more bonds. Right. So it's a little hard to predict out 40 years what the tax burden is. Right. And the interest, I mean, we've got historically low interest rates now. They, in the later issuing of the bonds, the rates could be higher. They could be right? higher. It, it is a little difficult to predict the total impact of this tax burden. But over time, it probably will be about $100 a year for the average taxpayer. And many people may, be, may decide that is worth it to finally address our street, bridge, sidewalk, crumbling 
you know, building problems. You know, a lot of people wonder, why don't we take care of our uh, infrastructure better? And there's no doubt Kansas City doesn't always spend its dollars wisely. They spend an enormous amount of money on public safety. They've also spent a lot of money on economic development projects, some of which have panned out and some of which haven't. But Kansas City does face another big challenge that's hard to overcome, and that's the fact that we are a huge city geographically. We're the size of New York City, and we have uh, fewer than half a million people. And New York City has 8 million people. So we have a giant geographic city and a relatively small population and tax base. Right, sort of the cost of elbow room in a way, isn't it? So the cost of... You know, maintaining 6,000 miles of roads and 4,000 miles of sidewalks and all that water and sewer infrastructure and all of our bridges and buildings and flood control projects, it's all expensive. And unfortunately, it's coming down to the taxpayers to to try to pick up that. And each of these property tax uh, bond obligations requires a supermajority, 57.1 percent, is that right? Correct. Uh, Although... It's not a case where all three have to pass for the program to go into effect. Each question stands on its own, and presumably if voters approve, you know, one or two but not three, uh, then those particular questions would be implemented. Now, the city, if, if they all fail, the city could try again, but probably not until next year, because if they wait, if they try to go again in August or, or November, the, the threshold for victory is even higher. It's like two-thirds, you know, per, percent, 66% uh, voter approval. Right. So um, I, I, it's doubtful they would try again this year. Right. And see, we've got one poll that shows that it's a little north of the supermajority margin. Do we... How do you handicap something like this? Turnout's not going to be much, right? Right. Um, yeah, because there's no there, there's no people on the ballot, and so uh, those tend to command lower lower turnouts. And so, yeah, there was that poll that was published, I believe, this week. Um, uh, that was uh, Re- Titus, right? Uh, Remington. Remington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, municipal elections are inherently difficult to predict. Um, you don't have sort of this wide swath of polling that can get, be aggregated and, uh, and and parsed out like you have in state or, or certainly national elections. Um, the conventional wisdom in talking to people who handicap and think about these things and make their living off of it, uh, you know, is they're, they're going to see how the Northland turns out. They think that's going to be kind of the uh, uh, deciding factor. They, you know, there's this conventional wisdom that there's the, the the corridor south of the river that runs down into the Ward Parkway that's very politically active, and the prediction is that the that area will generally be very supportive of this. Um, the east side is a little bit of a uh, you know a little bit harder to predict. You get the sense that uh, the east side may come out against this, and so you know the thinking is this comes uh, this comes down to the Northland. Interestingly. You know, Northland turnout, and, and Lynn, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Northland turnout tends to be a little bit more mild on these types of issues. However, in Park Hill School District, which is in Platte County, they've got a bond issue um, of their own. That may bring some more people out. So we'll just kind of see. It's uh, uh, I've learned many times uh, in trying to prognosticate elections that it's uh, um, there's not a great science to it. Right, and, and there's not a whole lot of... St- to motivate somebody to get out for to vote for sewers. No, you know, I think I think sexy. the c- campaign will work hard to try to get turnout. There has not been a lot of organized opposition, although as you mentioned, Freedom Inc. 
uh, did come out of, uh, opposed. Uh, they felt like it was too much of a tax increase at a time when the city's water and sewer rates are already rising and people already feel a lot of tax burden. And they, they have a flyer and, you know, they have mailers. They, they've got their own literature campaigning against this. Although, interestingly, the poll seemed to show 62% support in District 3. Um, but, yeah, I think the Northland will be, uh, will be key. Interestingly, there are a lot of yard signs in Platte County right now that, that say, go vote on April 4th, no tax increase. And that's, those signs are relevant to the school district bond issue, but people may get confused and think that the city's bond issue doesn't have right. a tax increase. And, so, and meanwhile, we've got a number four, which is eighth of a cent to basically uh, improve the prospect corridor. Right. right? The, the area of the prospect corridor, although that's, it, it's kind of an interesting thing because part of what these, this group wants to uh, be a catalyst for is development around this prospect max bus line, rapid bus line right on Prospect Avenue. Well, the city money for the Prospect Max is included in the bond package. so And complicated by the fact that the Area Transportation Authority is neutral on this. Right, right. So, you know, there's there potentially are a lot of tax increases on this ballot issue. And this, of course, is a time when people are maybe have a historically low trust in government. The criticism of questions one, two, three, and four have all been the same in that there's not enough specifics. Uh, the city has not said exactly what they will build with these bond dollars, and they say they can't because they want some flexibility. Over the 20 years of this bond program, they want to be able to address immediate needs, and they don't want to lock into certain projects and not, then not be able to accomplish even more urgent projects. The, the east side tax is also not very specific. It, there will be a board that would vet projects and recommend them, but we really don't know. You know, there, there's not a good laundry list of the kinds of projects that would be funded with right. that, with that you new You've got an interesting tax. dynamic, though, with the, the sort of the east side establishment, if you will, saying vote against all these others, but vote for a sales tax drawn from around the city to target in our area. So it, it, mm. it's an interesting dynamic to get those, I mean, they're, they could conceivably sink both, right, well, Steve? It, yes, right. And, and I would also say that, you know, I talk to people in the Northland who feel like their part of town is neglected. They're not going to vote for a tax for the east side because they want money for their part of town. Every part of this city feels like it's neglected. Uh, and I know east side people say, look, we have voted year after year to support the zoo, the downtown, south Kansas City, uh, and, and now it's our turn. But there are plenty of other parts of town that feel the same way. Right. But it, it's it's not too controversial to say the need is greater on the east side, right? The need is 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 certainly greater, and you know there there's there's uh, the, the, this ongoing uh, idea that there's no investment on the east side, and uh, I wouldn't entirely agree with that. I mean, covering development, you're starting to see a, a significant amount of development on Troost, which has sort of been thought of as this dividing line, and so I know Troost is obviously west of Prospect and west of Paseo, um, so you know Troost and areas. Uh, in that vicinity have been getting a lot of private investment and a lot of it, uh, a lot more attention than any time uh, since I've lived in this city. Um, but it's very slow. It's very slow to make its way, make its way east. And, you know, as, as far as the political dynamic, we've touched upon it a couple of times, but the interest, you know, the, the, the refrain is certainly, yes, it's our turn to get something, you know, this big contribution from the entire city focused on an area that's not long been neglected because exactly what Lynn said, you know, 
there's been a lot of investment elsewhere. So, and you saw a little bit of that with the 18th and Vine uh, deal. Uh, what was that last year, mm-hmm. uh, where there was some talk about using, you know, a bulk of city money. And at one point, the request was exceeding 20 million, and the refrain was the same. Then it's, you know, we've done, we we invest close to this amount of money in power and light debt service every single year. Why can't 18th and Vine get something? Uh, uh, like that, just all at once, and I think eventually they settled on what seven million was the. Uh, and the part of that, that there's right. a, a two-way undercurrent mm-hmm. of a little bit of, of racial resentment here, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I don't think the city council really wanted to confront that kind of issue. They they really wanted a clean election just on their bond package, but it's not to be because we do have a very low threshold for signatures, and if people want something on the ballot in this city, uh, according to the city charter, they can certainly get something on the ballot. Right. Sly James called it that damned initiative petition, (laughs) right? And then, uh, I don't know, are you going to also talk about question five? Because that's yet another uh, important Yeah, the pot. Yes. Right. So the idea is that uh, now I would, uh, if I get busted with a joint in Kansas City, I'm not, I would no longer be subject to jail time. The fine would be less. And as we learned in the paper this morning, there's a sort of a double-edged sword to the getting rid of the potential jail sentence. Exactly. Um, This is not something the city put forward. This is not something that the city council endorsed, but because a group of citizens gathered enough uh, signatures, it's question five on the ballot, and it, it doesn't, it's not like what has been done in other cities, legalizing pot possession. It's not nearly that uh, ambitious. Sort of classic decriminalization, exactly. isn't it? And um, I think the proponents feel that too many people are arrested and some even jailed uh, for marijuana possession, and it's very disruptive to their lives and it's unfair punishment. I think the city municipal court would say, we don't jail people for, for possession of minor amounts of pot. Uh, 35 grams of pot, by the way, is not you know, totally insignificant. If you hold up a gallon bag, baggie, it's about half that. So it's, it's, a, it's a sizable amount of pot. But um, I think the feeling is they don't jail people anyway, and this is a, a, a solution in search of a problem. And it, uh, Steve can talk a little bit more about this, but I think some people even feel like it will have a detrimental uh, consequence. People will be encouraged to plead guilty you know, pay their $25 fine. Make it go away. And make it go away, but it it could show up on their record for purposes of employment or scholarships and and be damaging. Right, and the, and the, the, the catch here is that legal aid will help you out if you're looking at possible jail time, but they won't, they wouldn't in this instance, perhaps. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's one of the potential uh, consequences of this ordinance. I, I would, or not ordinance, uh, this this measure, rather. And I would say, uh, you know, just to editorialize a little bit, that question number five is probably the most, is not probably, I think definitely the most nuanced question on this entire ballot. Uh, so, you know, in, in one instance, you've got this overhaul of the state criminal code that was... Uh, uh, implemented recently. And one of those was that they took jail time off the table for first-time offenders who had less than 10 uh, grams of marijuana or cannabis. And and so you've already got that. And, you know, to what Lynn was saying, that the municipal court doesn't have a whole lot of interest in putting people in jail over minor uh, marijuana possession. However, you, we, we had Eric Zond, who's the Platt uh, County prosecutor in uh, uh, the newsroom today to discuss this issue. And you know one of the one of the th- one of the things that complicates this whole issue is you usually don't have somebody who's just 
cited on possessing marijuana by themselves. And if you kind of think about how that would happen, I mean, you'd kind of have to be walking down the street smoking marijuana and the officer would see you and stop you and then you would get that ticket, right? Um, and we know in practice that generally does not happen in Kansas. No. Right, so right. Um, so usually what these possession charges are caught up with are in addition to another charge. Let's say you were speeding and then you had uh, you didn't have proof of insurance and then the, you know, the officer pulling you over smells marijuana in your car. And so now you have three charges. You could go to a state-level charge uh, as a result of that scenario. And then the city ordinance may not even apply. So you may be looking at the state charge where the financial penalties are even higher. So there's all this, there's, there's this concern that's not illegitimate about, you know, are people going to be really confused about what the outcome of this is? Is it really even decriminalization? And that gets into, you know, how you parse that term out. But, you know, if you pay this $25 to flick this away, you still have a, you, you still have a, uh, a, a municipal infraction and depending on how the question's phrased on, say, financial aid forms or job applications, or if you're uh, applying to lease an apartment, you know, if, if they ask you, have you been convicted or have you pled guilty or been found guilty of any drug-related offenses, you would still have to say yes. Um, so, you know, I, there, there, there's a lot of concern about the vagaries of this particular ordinance. Um, for some of those reasons, and even others that I you know, haven't even mentioned yet. You know, when it comes in the context of a country where the attitude on marijuana in particular has changed dramatically on mm -hmm. the coasts, not, not in Kansas and Missouri yet. Well, according to this poll that we've been referring to, the majority of people polled said they would support this relaxation right. I, I guess I should have referred to the law has yeah. not changed right. here in any No, the law hasn't way. changed, but attitudes may have changed. And so far, at least, this, this ballot measure also appears to be passing with, with frequent voters. Um, Is this the type of thing that might draw more people out, though? To you, vote? You know, I kind of doubt that because this is a special election. Uh, not, they're not expecting very much turnout, and most people who do vote in these kinds of April, you know, April school board elections tend to be older. This seems like it would be an, an initiative that would appeal to younger voters. Maybe it will bring out some younger voters. I think voters. Lynn just told us that stoners don't vote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, um, you know, I don't know that the city council is generally opposed to some kind of reform of the marijuana laws. I think their preference would be to see something on the statewide level. Now, this apparently has also been already, something similar has also already been adopted in St. Louis and Columbia. And I don't know if they've had a lot of problems. I haven't looked into that aspect of it. Yeah, and I've looked into that a little bit. Columbia passed something similar. Uh, I won't get all the, in, into all the comparisons, but it's you know, substantially similar to what Kansas City is looking to perhaps do. Uh, and, and Columbia did that as far back as 2004, and I've talked to some defense attorneys, criminal defense attorneys, and city prosecutor over in Columbia. And one thing they said that was that I thought was really interesting is they said, you know, in practice, what happened after this ordinance was that when people got caught uh, with with this uh, fairly minor amount of marijuana or cannabis, is you know, if it's a first offense and you don't have anything else tied up in it, you know, you weren't you. you it's not, you know, an additional charge to something else. What they would do is the, the municipal court judges and the city prosecutor would generally agree, okay, well, we'll do a suspended imposition of sentence, which is uh, a term of art in, uh, in, in the law to say, we're not going to record a conviction 
if you complete a probationary period and you don't get in any more trouble, uh, you know, six months, whatever it may be. And then if you come out on the other end of that without any other problems, we, you could, you're, you're, there's no conviction essentially. And you can truthfully tell an employer that no, I've never, I was never convicted of any drug related offense. And I don't get the sense that that's necessarily going to be the practice in Kansas City. I, my general understanding is that they would, you know, still maybe contemplate diversion programs, which would involve, you know, of course, paying more money into the court system. Um, but it's a bit of a different process than what they did in Columbia. But, you know, as far as, uh, you know, as far as, you know, is there an increase in crime or do they have necessarily any problems with it? Uh, I don't know that I've detected any evidence of that in Columbia. Okay. Well, does it wouldn't it change the dynamic a little bit? So you you know you take the traffic as you talk about it, it's usually an add-on thing. It's mm-hmm. Something comes out of a traffic stop or other stop. My tail lights out. Cop pulls me over. If given that that the the penalty is less for having those three joints in my ashtray, isn't that going to give me as the a little more leverage or, or or give the prosecution a little less leverage about what sort of um, charges I'll ultimately plead to? Yeah, potentially. And I think it just depends on, you know, what the what the circumstances are. Who You know, I think there's some discretion even by the police officer in some of these cases of, you know, okay, if you toss these out by the side of the road, you know, I'm not going to give you any trouble if they're, you know, if you're polite with them. I mean, there's all kinds of discretion that can be um, that can be used in these types of circumstances, and it's just going to really, you kind of chart into a little bit of uh, un- unknown territory when when you have these patchwork of different laws from city to city and you know across the state. Uh, so I think it's just really going to, if this thing passes, we'll just sort of have to see what the city prosecutors do, whether the cops how they choose to handle it. You know, one thing, incidentally, and I'll, I'll, I'll be real quick about this, is when I was talking to some folks in Denver about this whole issue is Denver initially passed some decriminalization-type laws around marijuana uh, in the mid-aughts or so. And, you know, what one proponent told me is that, you know, the police were a little bit frustrated with, uh, with what got passed, and they would charge some, you know, certain people with state-level charges um, and skip the whole city ordinance altogether, and they had the authority to do that. Um, and that and then, would be and the then case then, here, right? What's that? That would be the case here as well, right? It could potentially be the case, unless the police get some directive from the police chief or their commanders to say, hey, look, we're, we don't think this is a big deal. Just write the ticket and then let them sort it out themselves mm-hmm. in the municipal court. Well, and it could be very different depending on what county you're in. You know, right. south of the river, they may handle it very differently than north of the river. And I guess for reporters, it's great because if this passes, we're going to have a lot more stories to write. We're going to have a lot more to look at, and we will have to keep tabs on it because I think at least opponents feel like it could have unintended negative consequences, and we'll have to see if that happens. Okay. All right, well, let's not bogart the time of our podcast listeners anymore. Thank you both for being with us today, and you all have been on Deep Background. Deep Background.